huge shakeup with a division rival. Pete Carroll, longtime Seattle Seahawks coach, is now out. What does that mean for the 49ers? What does it mean for the Seahawks and their head coach going forward? A lot changing. What a day in sports. Nick Saban gone as well. And I think there's more to come on the NFL landscape. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is what we do. Appreciate the everydayers that are with us and give us a subscribe. Give us a thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. I didn't see this one coming. I mean, I know Pete Carroll's in his 70s and it's you know the end is uh the end is going to be near for he and all of us and we don't know who's going to be alive sunday uh, like Kyle Shanahan likes to say and um you know the father time is undefeated and all that but i was a little bit shocked of the news that came down wednesday croc that Pete Carroll is no longer going to be head coach of the Seattle Seahawks uh, i want to read the full uh if i have it here yeah so here's the full statement from the Seattle Seahawks from Jody Allen the chair person of the Seattle Seahawks running the show over there. And it goes as follows quote, after thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interest of the franchise, we have amicably agreed with Pete Carroll that his role will evolve from head coach to remain with the organization as an advisor. Pete is the winningest coach in Seahawks history, brought the city its first Super Bowl title and created a tremendous impact over the past 14 years on the field and in the community. His expertise in leadership and building a championship culture will continue as an integral part of our organization moving forward. Pete will always be a beloved member of the Seahawks family. So that is that. Pete Carroll will no longer be running the show for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, uh, at one point, Legion of Boom era, Pete Carroll's Seahawks were a problem for the 49ers. That hasn't really been the case recently, and I wonder if that is part of the reason why Pete Carroll is no longer the coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Correct. This was shocking news. To, well, kind of shocking. I didn't think it was something that would really happen, but I did see my guy John Milikoff kind of talk about Seattle maybe making that change and uh, Pete Carroll kind of stepping down from the job. So he somehow foresaw this coming, but I definitely did not. And it's kind of a bittersweet moment because something about rivalries, right? It, it's, it's hardly been a rivalry. I think it was like a legit rivalry 2013-2014. Outside of that, it was completely one-sided, either one way or the other. Seattle just stomping the 49ers out several straight times or the 49ers stomping Seattle out. But it feels like they, you know, for it to be a real rivalry, it has to be what it was in like 2012, 13, 14, in that range where it kind of goes both ways. Hasn't been that for a while. And I always feel like Seattle would figure it out because of who they had at head coach with Pete Carroll. And now that he's gone, I mean, this is going to be very interesting. Still, it sounds like he has somewhat of his fingerprints on certain things kind of going on there. And he wasn't just a head coach for Seattle. He was a part of kind of like football operations or something like that. But now 
taking that lesser role. And uh, I'm not mad, but I kind of miss the, the good rivalry times. You know, it's a, it's the end of an era for sure. Nick Saban stepping down uh, as the Alabama head coach as well. I mean, these are, you know, these are coaches have been around for a long time and 14 years is a long time to be a coach anywhere. In fact, Croc, does it shock you that Kyle Shanahan is now the fifth longest tenured head coach in the NFL after Pete Carroll stepping down as head coach of the Seattle Seahawks? Well, someone had asked me on social media, media uh, said, uh, how many coaches have the 49ers gone through since Pete Carroll arrived in Seattle? And I'm like, man, mm-hmm. I think Kyle was like five or six, which he's actually the fifth head coach. But he's been there for a while. And I think because of how fast this time is going, I always I tell my wife this as well. Whenever you're trying to accomplish something, I feel like time just goes at warped speed. And the 49ers have just been on this run of really trying to win this championship year after year after year that the seven years or however long it's been with Kyle Shanahan has really flown by. So typically, like, that's a long time to coach one team, seven years. Uh, Head coaches, the turnover rate is so high. Uh, We saw the 49ers go through several head coaches over a few years span and even then outside of that i mean you see head coaches be a, a you know coaching a team for two years three years around four years they're usually out but to see kyle shanahan not only reach this amount of years but i don't see this ending anytime soon it's pretty cool pretty cool for the 49ers you were in the dump i've seen you fighting with fans on social media about like how bad the 49ers were and they kind of forget that but yeah. this dumpster fire before Kyle Shanahan showed up yeah it wasn't things weren't going great for the 49ers if you get out of year three as a head coach you are cooking in the NFL and um you know a lot of the conversations have been around because a lot of fans want to keep Adam Peters they want to keep all the assistants and and of course the the fans do want that and so they start talking smack about other organizations like oh Washington oh Los Angeles Chargers they're a trash organization why would Adam Peters want to go there it's like well the 49ers weren't doing great things at the time that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch showed up. Right. And, and so um, they have become, well, how, how often, how often do good organizations fire a general manager? Like usually when things are going well, you're rocking, you're rolling. You're, there's not going to be a whole lot of turnover at a GM spot unless somebody gets poached or something like that. But again, even then that's somebody kind of lower on a totem pole, your head coach, your GM, they're in lockstep. You have a good organization. Of course, there's no turnover. Like the teams that fire their head coach, excuse me, fire their GM, they're the ones that's going to need an Adam Peters to kind of right yep. this ship. So to, to think that they're just going to go to the most perfect organization, leaving the 49ers is going to be a better situation for them. No, it's on them to make a bad situation good, like we saw with Shanahan and John Lynch with the 49ers. So Kyle Shanahan tied fifth. Uh, Sean McVay and Sean McDermott were both hired in that 2017 uh, hiring cycle. And so all three of those guys uh, are tied there for the fifth longest tenured coaches in the NFL. And above them is Andy Reid. The Chiefs hired him in uh, 2013. So 10 years there. John Harbaugh since 2008 with the Ravens. 2007, Mike Tomlin was hired with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Bill Belichick. 2000 with since the uh since he's been hired with the new england patriots and that one could come to an end too like that was the kind of the one i expected to hear today and which shocked me that it was actually pete carroll and nick saban were the ones that were were out uh with their teams and we might hear about it later tonight we might hear about it tomorrow uh i don't think bill belichick's necessarily out of the woods yet and there was a big meeting the fact that we haven't heard about what happened with that meeting with both belichick and, and ownership and the patriots 
tells me that there's maybe some conversations going on there. And I wonder if they're trying to work out some sort of a trade. And I know that Amy Adams Strunk, who is the um, the acting owner and, and CEO of the Tennessee Titans, said that you know they could have probably traded Mike Vrabel, but they just didn't want to wait and, and spend that time because it could take a few weeks and puts you behind as in your own coaching search. And they said it wasn't worth it, so they just went ahead and, and fired Mike Vrabel. So, um, I mean, this is the most big-time class of available head coaches that I've seen in a long time. And how insane, Croc, would it be don't say it. If Jim Harbaugh came <laughs> to the Seattle Seahawks, the team that was that big rival in 2012, 2013, and, and coached the division rival Seahawks, Crock. You, you know, the interesting thing, outside of Jim Harbaugh, you don't hear a lot of the coaches, the college coaches' names popping up right now in the sense of, you know, who, who's going to be taking over for some of these teams. It's all of either young uh, officer coordinators, guys from kind of the Shanahan McVay tree, but you typically there's like, who is that hot college name? And right now it is Jim Harbaugh, but you typically hear several, you know, a name that's not being mentioned because I've, I've already heard his name being thrown in for the Alabama job. And they're like, Oh man, he's already got one foot in the door to go to Alabama. Oregon's head coach, Dan Lanning. Mm. I could see him already knowing the Pacific Northwest and Seattle saying, you know what? Here's a bunch of money for you to leave Oregon and come to Seattle and be our head coach. And you know what? You like that guy, Bo Nix, he's going to the NFL. You can even bring your quarterback along because he's likely going, I don't know, he'll probably go top 15. But wherever Seattle is picking, they might have an opportunity to jump up and get a guy like that. And, you know, kind of got a long-term pair there. So that would be something interesting. Who knows Bo Nix more than Dan Lanning, but also someone who's been a terrific coach so far in college football. Uh, young too. That's what they're looking for. He's 37 years old. Yeah, the young, hot, new coach is is what a lot of teams are looking for right now. Um, you, that's a good segue, Croc, because you're talking about their quarterback and what does this mean for Geno Smith? What does this mean for the 49ers? What does this mean for the division? More on the big shakeup here in the NFC West with Pete Carroll out with the Seattle Seahawks and why 49ers fans. This could be good. This maybe could be bad. There's a lot of 49ers fans dancing in the street that. The big bad Pete Carroll is gone out of the out of the division, but uh, that could be a bad thing, I think, too. We'll get into that next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Around the New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right, right? Think opposite of New Year, New You. How about New Year? Keep making the current you better. Therapy helps you find your strength so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you do is you go to betterhelp.com slash locked on. You fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you don't hit it off with that therapist, that's okay. It happens. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. I got to wonder, Croc, how Geno Smith feels about this because Pete Carroll's been his champion, right? And brought him into the organization and trusted him. And uh, he was the guy that was taking the first reps. They brought in Drew Locke, but it was always Geno Smith that was the number one and Drew Locke couldn't take the job away from him. And if there's a new head coach there, a new coaching staff, they, they'll probably be looking to find a new guy, the next guy after Geno Smith. 
maybe replace him immediately. Who knows? But Geno Smith was at the press conference with Pete Carroll speaking. And I want to talk about Pete Carroll for a second, too. We haven't seen the last of him uh, and his quotes from his press conference. But here's a photograph. If you guys are watching this on on YouTube, I'll try to explain it for those audio only listeners. And you can go find it uh, online. Geno Smith. Let's see if I can zoom in on this photo because Geno Smith just looks a little bit worried in this photo. I I, I got to zoom in on that because um, he is uh, basically his hands in his face. And maybe he's just tired and half asleep and doesn't care at all. I don't know. It's just a snapshot. But he looks like, what just happened? He looks like his life is flashing from his eyes in, in the photo that I saw. So um, I'm going to see if I can find a, a better zoomed in one than the one I just put up on YouTube. But th- this could be the end of Geno Smith. And look, right now with Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, this is not a scary Seahawks team. They could find a. The, it could be Jim Harbaugh. It could be, it could be Bill Belichick. I don't know what it could be. It could be the next hot coach that's that's a superstar for a decade maybe they find a superstar quarterback as well so i kind of like the 49ers playing against this version of the seahawks so while pete carroll has been a really good head coach there's potential that they could maybe get better from this as well so i I don't think that uh 49ers fans should necessarily be super stoked on this move but at the same time i've heard other names like you know dan quinn the the defensive coordinator from seattle coming back home and that wouldn't get me shaking in my boots and so that's kind of what i'm rooting for is dan quinn ended up getting that head coaching job with the seattle seahawks all the, the retreads all the time like the guy that coached here then it failed then okay we're gonna go over here and turn it around i know a lot of this stuff is depending on the quarterback position for a long time seattle had russell wilson in there kind of manning the ship and i think that really helped him like kind of keep things steady, even though it never went over the top outside of that one year when, when they did win the Super Bowl. Uh, bring in somebody, like I said, young, Dan Lanning, come in, even if it's going to be Geno Smith. Let's say Geno Smith, you want to continue to kind of have him there, whether he's a placeholder until you find the guy, which I think that's important as well. Again, maybe not a quarterback that's going to make you a Super Bowl favorite, but at least you know you just won't all the way stink with Geno Smith. I, I think he would he should be intriguing for any head coach that takes over Seattle. Now, 49er fans, and again, they have this kind of skewed thought on how quarterbacks do against them. Like that's just what they are. So when it comes to Dak Prescott, 49ers view him as he is not a threat. And it's like, well, outside against the 49ers, who typically have a terrific defense. Dak Prescott's pretty damn good. He puts together really good years, led the league in like passing yards and touchdowns and all that stuff this year. But against the 49ers, for whatever reason, he struggles. I think Geno Smith is another one of those guys who, again, he's not like the greatest quarterback, but he's a solid quarterback. And again, having to play 49ers twice a year, I think that's tough. You know, if you if the 49ers were doing bad, you flip it in Seattle wins, like they're a playoff team the last couple of years. So uh, Gino, I definitely think should be somebody who's there as a placeholder, but he also should be worried because you never know how the new coach is going to kind of view you. And I like the zoomed in picture you got there. <laughs> it looks like he's either sleeping or he's like, Oh my God, this might be the end for me. That That's kind of the look that Gino Smith has on his face there. So we'll see a uh, lot to be determined there. Uh, they could get a superstar head coach, maybe a retread, maybe a, a young up and comer, but um, we're going to have to find out what it looks like. The new Mike Vrabel. Seattle, Seattle. Yeah, Mike Rabel. Yeah, that could be. And I wonder if. So Diana Rossini was on ESPN and, you know, she's a plugged in reporter in around the NFL circles. And she said that there are teams that had coaches that you thought were safe that started to rethink things. 
once Mike Vrabel got fired. Like he's thought of that much to where teams are like, oh, well, you know what? We're going to keep our guy, but if we get Mike Vrabel, maybe we won't keep our guy. I don't wonder if Seattle Seahawks are one of those teams. Seattle, I mean, I'm trying to think of another team. Maybe what? Iberflutes? Is that his name? The, the head coach over in Chicago? I thought that. So my plan for the Chicago Bears, because their offensive coaching has been so bad, was like, it doesn't look like it's going to work with fields. And I definitely don't want a new quarterback working with the same offensive coaching staff. If I draft Caleb Williams. So to me, it was like, well, you get rid of the coaching staff anyway. And then that probably means you get a new quarterback and start there. But they fired Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator uh, on uh, Wednesday morning. So that tells me that Aberflus is safe and he fired the OC to save his job. So if they keep Justin Fields, that means it's going to be the third offensive coordinator in four years for him. Or he's going to have to find another coordinator. And, and that's a hard thing to do. That's why when you hire that defensive-minded head coach, and it just does seem like the Chicago Bears are getting things figured out on the defensive side of the ball. And apparently everyone likes Matt Aberflus. Uh, the players do in Chicago. And it seems like the fans and the players are really behind Justin Fields as well. But it is so hard to find an offensive coordinator when you're defensive-minded defensive head coach because you have one good year. Like Bobby Slowick, he's offensive coordinator for one year, comes from a Shanahan system, and everyone's like, okay, head coach, there you go. And that's all you get <laughs> one year with a good offensive coordinator. So, man, if you can find a good offensive-minded head coach, that's the way I would go for an organization because once you have a good offensive coordinator, he's going to be gone and get a head coach job somewhere else anyway. Bobby Sloak was with the 49ers regime for a really long time. He had a brief little stint, and not just 49ers. He was, he was in Washington with yeah. Kyle, um, had a little break where he was over at PFF, maybe one of Brian Peacock, Peacock's uh, uh, people. Were, did you I guys got, cross paths with PFF? I, I don't know. So I was fully remote. Uh, I don't know if he was remote or he was in Cincinnati there with, in the main office, um, but he was doing big-time stuff and and a part of the big grading system and, and doing a lot of teaching with a lot of the, the folks that were at PFF. I was mostly just charting routes during the, the Chip Kelly era, the era of the 49ers, and I was, like, requesting 49ers games early on that year. Uh, I did some other, like, articles and infographic stuff and just some other things at, at PFF. But um, my main thing I did was charting routes in 2016, which was god-awful. So I had to start requesting to not have the 49ers because I couldn't bear to watch that and chart those routes anymore. Slow kind of – he kind of pulled an Eric Crocker here, all right? You know, I like to insert myself into some of these yeah. things. But back in 2005, I was going to Delta College, and I was having both the offensive guys and defensive guys try to recruit me to come to the junior college. And I could have played receiver, could have played defensive back. I chose DB because I'm like, you know what? I see more of a future in defensive back, kind of a bigger. I kind of stand out a little bit more. I think I'll be more highly sought after uh, having my height. And I think that definitely helped me have opportunities at the next level. Well, Slow was a defensive guy. And he was like a defensive analyst. And then kind of worked his way over to the offensive side with the 49ers. And lo and behold, here you go. First coordinating position you are the office coordinator for the houston texans and now that might bump him up to a head coaching job where he's calling offense and there have been other guys that did the opposite and i don't know if he's working out for him right now matter of fact it's not the chargers head coach that they just had he was actually like a quarterback in college an offensive guy then he went to the defensive side got hired as a defensive head coach or a defensive coordinator for the rams and then was a defensive head coach for the chargers and then he got fired but Maybe you should have stayed on the offensive side of things. Yeah, so, and Bobby Sloak's dad is a coach, too, and was a defensive coordinator. So I think that's why he was on the defensive side at first and then uh, was a defensive assistant with the Washington football team uh, at the time, 2011 to 2013, and then defensive quality control with the 49ers at first with Kyle in 2017 after that four years off doing PFF 
stuff and, and doing other things. Um, and then jump to the offensive side of the ball. That's it's wild. And so he's only been on the offensive side of the ball since 2019. He was an offensive assistant. Then he goes passing game specialist in 2021, then offensive passing game coordinator for one year in 2022, then offensive coordinator. I mean, that's a whirlwind to all of a sudden be jumped up every single year. Boom, 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 boom to a new role and potentially even a head coach this offseason. So uh, that's a pretty wild ride for Bobby Slowick. I'm trying to see, okay, playing career. Bobby Slug attended Michigan Tech University. Haven't heard of that school. Uh, and he played wide... smart guy school. I can already tell you. Well, he played wide receiver for them. Well, in at 2006, an 2007, 2008. Yeah, he's a smart guy to get into a tech school, but non-athlete. So he's still able to play football at a non-athlete school. <laughs> I, I said I've never heard of that school, and people are like, "Well, Croc, you went to Arkansas Monticello University, of Arkansas Monticello. We ain't never heard of that either." <laughs> Nope. I hadn't heard of it until I met you. <laughs> uh, Tim McDonald, he was my defensive back coach for the Jets. And he said, uh, Croc, what the hell is Arkansas Monticello? Like he said it all wrong. And he's like, where is that? <laughs> I'm like, what is in Arkansas? <laughs> don't, don't disrespect the fine city of Monticello, Arkansas. Come on. Yeah. Shout out to coach right. Tim McDonald. Uh, 49ers, they're getting healthy during the bye week. So some notes on that and what players we might see on the field in the divisional round of the playoffs next. Today's episode of Locked on 49ers is brought to you by Jace Medical and the Jace Case. And, you know, we always come here to talk sports, and usually sports is a way to escape from the crazy realities of real life. But let's talk real for a minute about prepping, pre preparing for uh, real life. And according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin in the middle of flu season. And... Maybe you have some specific needs for your family and medications that you need, that your family needs. And maybe a supply, a supply chain issue could uh, prevent you from having the life-saving medication that you or your family really needs. Maybe you are on vacation and you're in a place where you're not sure if you're going to have access to the medication you need. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, UTIs, respiratory infections, uh, skin infections, among many, many others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your, uh, your physician visit. And it will be reviewed by a board-certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important than right now to be prepared. So go to jacemedical.com. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E, medical.com and use our offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Again, that is jacemedical.com. So I listened to George Kittle. He was on with um, with Eric Armstead on his podcast, and they were kind of talking about this week and how they're getting healthy, and George Kittle's hitting the hitting the, the hot tub and or the cold tub or or maybe both and um, you know, eating a lot of food and just kind of hanging out and putting his feet up and trying to rest and recover from a long season and, and be close to 100% as possible. And it sounds like Eric Armstead could have gone if they really needed to him to, according to Kyle Shanahan last week or the uh, in week uh, yeah 17, if they don't need that game or week 18, if they don't need that game against the Rams. And so Eric Armstead looks like he ought to be back at practice this week and getting ready for next week in that game. And Juwan Jennings as well is out of concussion protocol. So those were two big ones uh, that the 49ers were missing out on in the last few weeks. Those guys look like they're going to be ready to go and, to be honest with you, when you look around the rosters around the league and some of these other teams, 
that are going to be playing each other and potentially the 49ers playing a team on a short week that's playing Monday night football while the 49ers have a bye. The 49ers are coming into this offseason or this postseason as one of the healthiest teams in the entire tournament. That's very reminiscent of, was it 2019, where started started the postseason, you had a bye week, and all of a sudden the 49ers put out one of the most epic hype videos with Quan Alexander coming back. And um, D4, he was much healthier at that time. Like They were locked and loaded, ready to go. I hope we have some flashes of that 2009 kind of resurgence and then you know carry that momentum into the rest and actually finish the job this time. But uh, a healthy 49er team is scary because I know a lot of teams are looking at you know, where, where are they weak? Where, what are the deficiencies? I, I would assume that it's not being as healthy, not having Hargraves and Armstead there in the middle. But when you have everybody back, man, this is a loaded team and 100% will be the favorites as long as they have the health on their side. I mean, I think that's the main reason why they lost last year. You know, you, you got unhealthy at the most important position, your quarterback on early in the, in the playoff game. The Eagle fans try to dismiss it. Everybody said they were making excuses, but they kind of showed them what kind of machine they are if they have their their quarterback relatively have, healthy throughout the season. I mean, the 49ers completely broke the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles were flying as high as you possibly can and talking so much trash going into that game against the 49ers. A lot of boo-hoos. And, uh, hey, man, we'll catch you on Sunday. And Debo Samuel caught him on Sunday in the 49ers, and they wrecked him. And they have not been the same since. I, I, I think there's major problems there and a lot of it is confidence they don't even know what to do to fix themselves those philadelphia eagles and yeah the 49ers are super healthy right now they got to keep their quarterback healthy and upright and um trent williams big that he's getting a week off as well so it's super pumped for that one to see um see a healthy 49ers team here that's just a couple of uh wins away from from having an opportunity to do something really special this year so i'm excited i'm freaking jacked as pete carroll said this was pete carroll's quote which made me think that it doesn't sound like this is the last he's going to coach so talking to reporters, Pete Carroll said, quote, I'm freaking jacked. I'm not tired. I'm not worn down. What's coming now? I've got no idea, but I'm excited about it. So he says he's going to hang out and be there to support John Schneider and ownership in the search for their that his successor. So he's going to be around a little bit in Seattle. I don't know if that means he's going to take a year off or uh, as soon as they find a head coach, he's going to be looking for his own job somewhere. But I don't think it's the last we've seen of Pete Carroll because I, he, I think he's a lifer and when you hear him, how jacked he was, when he was talking about what's next for him, I think we're going to see him somewhere, maybe even back in the college game. Who knows? For an old guy, and he is old, 72, 73? Yeah, something like that. Uh, he still has a lot of bounce in his step, a lot of energy as well. I, I just know that, one, his wife is probably like, all right, dude, give it up. Like, I've been waiting for you to be home full time so we can kind of just – go on vacations and, and, and hang out and whatnot, but you know, get to know your wife a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, man, like it has the game, I don't want to say passed him by, but between him and Nick Saban, Nick Saban's old too. And I don't think the game has passed him by, but maybe some of their methods, they're like, ah, these young guys, they're different, different generations. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Maybe he j- does just want to kind of ride off in the sunset. And he probably doesn't want to go through what Bill Belichick's gone through the last few years, right? When it just starts to get really hard and difficult and you're not winning. And it's like, yeah, did the game pass the one of the greatest of all time, Bill Belichick, pass him by? Did it, is it just all about the quarterback, right? So yeah. that's what's interesting to me. If, if Belichick leaves, is he going to go chase a team that's got, already got a good quarterback or go to Washington because they got the second pick? Patriots have the third pick and better chance of getting a better quarterback. I don't know. Um, but it's fascinating. A, a really 
could be um, massive with some of the the head coaches that are potentially out there and, and a couple that we don't know if they're out there, but they might be out there and available for teams to hire as well this this cycle in 2024. I got one more note real quick here, Croc, on, on Kyle Shanahan. So he's the tied for the fifth longest tenured head coach in the NFL, and he's now coached the third most games in 49ers history. 115 games he has coached to a 64 and 51 regular season record, six and three in the playoffs. Still no titles. The only guys ahead of him now are George Seifert, who uh, he'll pass next year. 128 games George Seifert coached for the 49ers. He was 98 and 30, 10 and five in the playoffs with two titles. Uh, took over that Bill Walsh team uh, from different defense coordinator to head coach from that 89 and and uh, the 88, 89 back to back titles. And, and Seifert got the second of those back to backs, and then obviously got the one in '94 as well. And of course, number one is Bill Walsh, 152 games coached in 49ers history with a 92 59 and one record 10 and four in the playoffs and three ships. So Kyle Shanahan uh, getting that title is huge, getting that ring, but he's not that far off. If, if this boat keeps floating the way it is for Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, he may be number one on the list when this is all said and done. And who knows, maybe for titles, but definitely for games coached in 49ers history. Well, he he has a quarterback, and I think, you know, unlike some of the other guys, even Bill Walsh, you know, Walsh kind of had to build up to getting all of a sudden he has Joe Montana, and then Joe Montana had to take his lumps. Kyle has been winning ever since taking over with uh, Brock Purdy. So now you just you have your quarterback. He's on the rookie contract right now. Uh, I don't see them going to stop losing anytime soon. Yeah, it'd be like, what if Bill Walsh got Joe Montana in 1984 instead of 1979? And that's when that started with Joe Montana. And how long would that have gone? And, and how long? Yeah. Would that have uh, there's burnout, but um, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan's young, too, for, for a head coach that's already been coaching this long. So, interesting. Um, he, he's also been around it his entire life. Yeah. So, it might be just a little different, like, you know, my wife. She's always like, oh, you always got some football stuff going on. And it's like, man, I... I live and breathe football. It's just, yeah. that's just been me. Like, I don't know how to burn out from doing football stuff. So yeah. uh, that might be Kyle Shanahan as well. And tell her, Hey honey, be, you should be thankful. I didn't take that head coach job because that's even more hours. And if you were coaching at a, uh, a higher level and a higher level and now all of a sudden, okay, let's sleep six hours and work the rest of the hours of my day. Uh, you wouldn't be seeing a lot of your family in that case. Nah, and part of it is kind of knowing yourself and, and, you know, what you kind of prioritize. And that was been my thing with not trying to pursue, you know, coaching in college and uh, the different places, because I mean, just the, uh, the hours, the days being on the road, being a scout, like all those things, it, it, it can take a toll for even lower pay than streaming from your house and being able to be with your family. <laughs> The way things are going, we'll probably have some more huge news to talk about on tomorrow's episode of Locked On 49ers. But uh, if not, we're going to be breaking down the teams the 49ers could be facing after the wild card round, looking ahead at the divisional round and looking ahead at the potential opponents for the 49ers that will be facing off this weekend. All that and more coming up tomorrow to finish up the week on Locked On 49ers. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out the new 24-7. It's the first of its kind 24-7 sports network, Locked On Sports Today. You can find it on YouTube. Subscribe up there. The All the local experts like Croc and myself, the national shows, and have you covered 24-7. It's a all-the-time streaming channel. You can find it on your uh, Amazon Fire. Uh, it's coming to other smart TVs near you as well. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube 
to Locked On Sports Today. Croc and I back tomorrow right here. Locked On 49ers.